Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today, uh, well, okay, let me, let me level with you guys. Do you guys remember the Cav Bag episode? Remember we had like this grab bag episode and we had all these different stories we were going to talk about and we were so excited and we just ended up talking about Kavanaugh the entire, in fact, we did it for two episodes straight. Kind of yeah. got hung up there. Yeah. Well, uh, that kind of might be what happens today. Technically we have a grab bag prepared for you guys, but I'm looking at these stories and anyway, we, we might just end up talking about one thing. Again <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to see what happens, guys. I don't want to promise you things that we don't deliver on. But before we get into that, uh, I got to say thank you to our newest Patreon supporter, A-Reezy. A-Reezy, thank uh, you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate the money. Uh, we'll be sure to buy good beer this week. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we also wanted to remind you guys, uh, I don't know if you've seen it on social media or Twitter or anywhere, but if you hadn't seen it yet, uh, we are planning on doing another Q&A episode. Uh, like we did last year. We had a blast doing that one last year. Uh, we love getting questions from you guys and having a chance to answer them on air. So, uh, you know, whether you hit us up at the email or Facebook, Twitter, all the links are down there in the show notes. Send us your questions and we will do our very best to answer them on air in an upcoming uh, episode. That's right. So uh, I think uh, it's time to kick into our first story here. Um, we're going to talk about this idea that the Amazon rainforest, the lungs of the earth, uh, is on fire, burning, and suffering irrevocable oh, yeah. damage. Yeah, if, if you go to social media or look at just about any major news organization, it is a wash in stories uh, and outrage about how the rainforest fires in Brazil are going to destroy the lungs of the planet and kill us all. Um, I'm sure if, if you're like me, first you started noticing memes on Facebook where you know people were putting up these memes saying, uh, the rainforest has been burning uncontrollably for three weeks, and there's not been a lick of media attention anywhere, and, and you people are so awful. And that's you know? funny because the idea that there's been no media attention is a little bit ludicrous. Yeah. The New York Times has been running at least three stories a day. It's mm -hmm. front page everywhere you go, MSNBC, CNN, uh, all the... All the major players are all talking about it. Yeah. Um, all the influencers, social media influencers, you can't get on Twitter or Facebook without seeing it. So it makes well, me wonder why I, people are doing this weird song and dance. I, I will say, though, that, is that I saw the memes first. Mm. I saw the memes before the major news you know, organizations started picking it up. But that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work either because we talk about Amazon deforestation every year. Because these fires happen every year. Right. This is the, and, this is the hot, dry and, season. And there are other things that we're going to get into here in a moment where we kind of knew this was coming. So, like, the idea that um, the mainstream media was trying to hide this or, like, you know, push it off to the side and stuff. And trust me, man, I will, I will make the case when I think that's something that's happened. Um, but it doesn't really work here because these fires that we're seeing, the massive uptick has been this week. And this week, it started to get media coverage. Mm. You know, the whole the whole three weeks narrative, it doesn't really work. We'll, we'll get into the timeline and everything. So so let's do that. I mean, what what's going on? So down in Brazil, they have President Bolsonaro. And, you know, he was recently elected. He's very Trump-like. Yeah, this is South America's and Trump. Yeah, it, it is South America's he's, Trump. He's, 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 he's a populist. He's a populist, exactly. Yeah, he's right-wing. He, he says the wildest stuff just to drum up attention. <laughs> right, right. And when he got elected, he campaigned in part 
on relaxing environmental protections surrounding the Amazon rainforest in order to strengthen and promote Brazil's, you know, growing beef industry. Right. Brazilian it's, it's beef is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's booming. It's a, it's a thing. So, you know, Bolsonaro was kind of saying, hey, uh, you know, we have this huge resource. Uh, you know, some of it's underneath the rainforest. Uh, I feel like we should be able to use it so long as we use it responsibly. I mean, that's the things he said, whether or not his policies encourage that, you know. Right. But... Um, he said we should be able to use it responsibly, so that's what we're going to do. So that that kind of goes back to that point. Since he's been elected, we knew that he was promoting policies that would encourage an increase in fires in the rainforest. Which ignore for a second the fact that beef is one of the largest contributors to global warming. Yeah. Beef production is this huge contributor to global warming. Warming, but but beef production in Brazil entails slashing and burning. Yeah. That's I mean, that's what these cattle farmers do. Right. Um, they they clear out grazing areas for their mm -hmm. cattle for the next year by burning stuff down this year. Absolutely. Um, so environmentalist groups and, and, and world leaders, uh, you know, as stories of these fires started to come out, they they understandably because of their position started wigging out. Right. Because what happened was the Brazilian Space Agency this week released a count of the fires and they're saying that, you know, at that point, this is, you know, I don't know, three days old at this point, the day that we record and the fires are going up and going down every day. But anyway, at that point, there were 75,000 fires currently burning in Brazil, and that represented an 80% increase over the same time period last year in 2018. Which sounds pretty bad. Right, right. No, it does. Absolutely. So you had, you know, uh, France's President Macron uh, you know, quick to condemn Bolsonaro's policies and and he's out there posting memes and he's calling the rainforest the world's lungs and citing its responsibility for producing 20% of the world's oxygen. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, on the other side, you got Bolsonaro going, uh, guys, I have a feeling this was environmental NGOs that just want to make Brazil and me look really dumb. Yeah, who like, does that sound like? Like these nonprofits <laughs> are out here starting these fires to make us look bad. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, both and, sides are being kind of silly. Well, and he's got, he's also got like his science experts that are coming on and taking issue with what the Brazilian Space Agency is saying that they're getting. And I, they're I have like, to clarify, I, I just did the both sides thing. And, and really, Macron's statements to me um, were much less inflammatory than some of the other statements we've heard from influencers on social media, from from media outlets. I mean, Macron, what I heard him say was basically like, yeah, this is a problem. Deforestation is a problem. Let's plant more forests right. and help stop these fires. <laughs> yeah. Well, like it wasn't very I didn't hear anything that was like outright uh, inflammatory or uh, or wrong. Well, it's it's kind of it depends on how you look at it. I mean, in a sense, you're right. I mean, I've seen you know some of the same things, and he is taking a very conciliatory approach, especially if you compare it to what's happening in places like Reddit and Twitter, where we are just losing our minds. <laughs> but but I also have to cite that you know he he put up the meme with the twenty percent and the rainforest. He called it international tragedy, and and you know he called it all this stuff, which contributes to the, the heightened craziness that we're seeing on social media when we start seeing those folks say, we need to invade Brazil. We need the UN to go into Brazil and wrest the rainforest <laughs> from Bolsonaro because and, the rainforest belongs to us all. It's the world's lungs, 20% right. of our oxygen. 
So how can we let him destroy this? Right. You know? and, and, and my first thought was like, people that are calling for military action, they got to just be like wackadoodles, right? Mm. They got to be just off their rockers. Um, but uh, it's it's not necessarily the case. I found a couple of researchers, uh, Bruce Gilley and David Kinsella, uh, had this to say a few years back. Uh, it is at least legally feasible that the Security Council could invoke its authority under Article 42 and use military force against states it deems threats to international peace and security by virtue of their unwillingness or inability to curb destructive activities em emanating from their territory. So, and by uh, that, the UN Security Council. Right, the yeah, UN yeah. Security Council absolutely has authority under Article 42 to yeah. go into Brazil and and protect this this rainforest. So at first yeah. I'm thinking like, oh, you got to be crazy. And then the more I look into it, I'm like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. There's actually some some law here that supports these people's belief if if yeah. it if it took hold if it yeah. if it took hold but who the heck is going to support like colonialist forces marching on brown people in brazil <laughs> to usurp their sovereignty well like, who would do that right. <laughs> i don't know what, what's going on it no, just seems I, ludicrous i'll tell you what was interesting is like normally i i give the benefit of the doubt um that what i'm seeing is just a bubble right so like if i see all these crazy comments on twitter or I see all these crazy threads on Reddit or something like that. Under normal circumstances, since we've started doing this show, I make myself take a breath, step back, and say, "Man, that's just people who are extremely online." You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's 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 a small representation of the. But here's the thing: I kept fighting to not do this story on this episode. Like when I was when I was like you know looking at what stories we were gonna do and stuff, I kept fighting myself. I was like, man, just yeah, you know, don't do the Amazon thing. Just let the Amazon thing <laughs> leave that go. one lie. And every time I would jump on Reddit, you know, I'm looking for news stories and stuff like that. I'd see another Amazon thread and I click on it and I go down through the comments and I'm talking about thousands of comments and I don't want to admit how many comments I looked at over the last like three or four days. People are losing their shit. I mean, there are tons of people saying we need to either sanction Brazil or invade Brazil or sanction then invade Brazil. Well, Bolsonaro must be put out. They're afraid. Think about it. We're, we're in the midst of, of panic over climate change already. Right. Right. We're being told that we've got 20 years yeah. or 40 years or whatever, whatever estimate you you choose to believe in yeah, yeah. we're being told that like future generations are not going to survive on this planet now we're right. being told that 20 percent of the oxygen uh on the planet is in danger of being gone of being eliminated We've, we're being told that we're at a tipping point right. with the amazon rainforest and yeah. that uh once enough of it burns that's it like the messaging by and large from influencers on social media from the media itself and from politicians and celebrities uh is that we should be scared to death so it's no wonder that people are actually scared to death yeah and when we're scared to death we do things like 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 whatever it takes to save yeah. ourselves and right that, and that's something worth noting is is right there alongside all the comments talking about military intervention and 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 so on and so forth are people who are just like depressed, just distraught. They're like, this is the end. Yeah. They're like the, the 20% of the oxygen is going to be gone. And this is the end of the world guys. Like, you know, there's nothing we can do. You know, people will be like, well, we should do like a beef boycott. And they're like, ah, fools. <laughs> yeah, fools. We're done. You know, we're, we're already done, done yeah. for. And so there's just so much like hopelessness and despair. So I felt like we needed to do that. Like we needed to sit there and say, is the story 
what we're being told is it that simple? So well, that's a good question. I think it is a very good question. So right off the bat, let's talk about the memes, right? So all the memes you saw, I want to go ahead and tell you, you can go to Snopes, you can go to CBC, virtually every picture in every rainforest meme that you've seen over the last week is not a picture of anything that is currently happening. It's either a picture of a previous fire or in a lot of cases, it's pictures of fires that don't even, uh, that aren't even that in, aren't the even Amazon in the, in the Amazon. And, yeah. and, and you're right, but I would posit like, does that really matter? I mean, we are in the age of stock photography and, and, and clickbait. And if you are positing a narrative um, that photo is just there to grab attention. If okay. you don't have photographers in the Amazon basin right now, you don't have helicopters flying around, like you're going to use a stock photo. So to me, like, yeah, I'd like them to use pictures of the actual fires that are going on. And, but as long as they're not grossly irrepresentative, if that's even a word, mm. um, as long as they're not you know, grossly misrepresenting the fires. I don't think it's a big deal. Well, I mean, we we do a car crash story, and the picture's not necessarily going to be of that car crash. What if you'd they like are? it to be? What if what what if they are somewhat misrepresentative? Like if I take four pictures of massive wildfires with massive plumes of smoke with massive blazes, and I put them there together, and I make you think that these are pictures that I just got from the rainforest. When there are huge actually problem. fires there, but they're much smaller. Let me you be know, clear. I, it's a like, huge problem. Yeah. If they're if they're non-representative of the truth on the ground, then yes, we've we've got we've got an issue. You're yeah, now yeah. you're now stoking the fires. Ha uh, You know, it's it's not it's not responsible. It's not responsible journalism. Right. And Do I, we know whether whether these fires look anything like the pictures? I can put. Well, I can tell you this: there are some that look somewhat similar, but I've also seen comically silly. Uh, you know, probably digitally altered photos of like just massive plumes of smoke that I haven't seen anywhere else from people actually taking pictures down in right. Brazil. So, you know, can somebody go out there and side by side me? If you can, hey, more power to you. I'm just saying when they're going through and they're picking all these pictures out and they're saying this picture is from 2013 and this picture is from Guyana and this picture is from yada yada. Is that what you meant to do when you posted that meme? Right. That's that's what I'm asking, you, right. you know, you, the people sitting at home. And I, I want you to think about that when you go to share these memes and stuff is, again, think about the the atmosphere that you're creating by what you post, because it contributes. Yeah, it does. You know, I, I don't know how I don't know how anyone can ever find out. Right. Like, how is the average person when confronted with this Amazonian meme? To go like, well, that picture was from, you know, Guyana in 1998. Like, what you do a reverse image search on every well, meme you repost? Think I, about think about uh, what a difference it made when we were talking about the cages down at the border, mm. Trump and Obama. You know what I mean? So like, is it important? I mean, is it important enough for you to go looking? And if you don't know, maybe don't post it. Mm. Maybe create your own post. Maybe go find your own picture. Go start digging. And or, I mean, yeah. I think that's the answer. I mean, is like go go find some alternate sources. Don't yeah, just I mean, trust this meme that comes across your feed. Don't just as trust the this meme. irrevocable yes. fact. Yes, because like, yes. they're not. They're and speaking of memes, not having you know solid facts. Let's talk about the lungs thing, right? Right. The idea that the Amazon rainforest operates as lungs of the world and produce twenty percent of our oxygen. Uh, has a lot of scientists kind of scratching their heads, man. It's it's actually, if you do all the math, and there's a, a great piece, I think it was at Forbes, it'll Forbes, be down yeah. in the sources. Um, it's actually, it's more like 6%. 
Uh, the overwhelming majority of our oxygen comes from the oceans. I've now, also read numbers as high as nine percent. Okay, could which be is 9%. still less than half of the twenty. But but there's something there's there's a very interesting conflation that's happening that I that I want to clear up. And I know like when I say six percent, nine percent, people are like. Dude, that's still six or nine percent. <laughs> right, you're arguing about the, <laughs> yes. the specific number, like, and, and I understand that a lot of people have a a reasonable grasp on things and and understand what that number means and takes it in context. But a lot of people don't, so I want to be very clear here. Uh, most of our oxygen comes from the oceans, but if we didn't get another ounce of oxygen from photosynthesis of any sort, and all animals on the planet continued to breathe as they do today, there's enough oxygen in the atmosphere for thousands of years. Yeah. So that's not to say that, like, losing the rainforest won't have severe ecological impacts, but there are people literally saying Bolsonaro is strangling the world, is right. smothering the world. And, and We're going to lose our oxygen. And to call the Amazon the lungs of the world uh, assumes, implies that that that's it that without the rainforest that's it yeah. and that's not necessarily the case at least not for oxygen no <laughs> you know no no there absolutely may, there may be other impacts elsewhere but what what bugs me about this is that everyone is still uh spouting off this figure as as hard science and it's cited in in news pieces it's yeah. cited in memes um they're still running article i read articles this morning yeah. that are citing that number as as hard fact. And Forbes, since the 23rd, um, has had a pretty clear debunking of that number uh, out in front of the public. Yeah. yeah. So uh, these are journalists we're talking about. They're the people that are supposed to dig in and and uncover the truth. And, and it's not hard. Like, this stuff has been reported. So why are you still reporting uh, yeah, these, the these false numbers? Right. It, it doesn't serve any purpose. It, yeah. it, it just... It, in fact, it makes you look worse because now people are going like, oh, well, you were wrong about the 20 percent. It must not be that bad. Well, and, and if you should have known about it, then you got to question the motives. And are you trying to drive a narrative sure. and stuff like that? And I'm not trying to cast aspersions on them. But you know what I think the most likeliest thing is? They hear 20 percent and they believe it. And they're like, yeah, that fits with everything else, I think. And they don't ever bother to go read the Forbes piece. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, I, again, I want to be very clear. And this is one of those things where like. You know, here we are sitting in a wedge, right? At no point during this entire discussion do I in any way want to diminish the effects of deforestation. Right. Deforestation is bad. Well, no, and so you know? is science denial. But science <laughs> yeah. denial is bad no matter which side you're on. That's true. That's true. I want to be very clear that there is an effect uh, that, you know, losing the Amazon absolutely contributes to. The Amazon actually traps 25% of the world's CO2. And if we continue to deforest, like we're deforesting, uh, it CO2 will have two gets released into it the gets atmosphere. released into the atmosphere, and it will have major impacts on climate change. But at the same time, I have to point out that there's this idea out there that the Amazon rainforest has a tipping point. So you know, I've seen this on Reddit, and I've seen it a couple other places, and they say, "Hey, uh, you know, it was it was shown that the Amazon rainforest." If we ever get to 20 or 25% of it destroyed, it will begin a cascading effect where the rainforest will die off and become a desert. Like right. that area will become a desert. Same thing that happened to the Sahara, and which also used to be a rainforest, you know, thousands or millions of years ago. Um, we're already at 15 to 20% deforestation, guys. We're there. We're at the tipping point. We have to stop. That is largely 
alarmist bunk. Now, because science is science, I can't say, hey, they're flat out wrong. But let me tell you a little bit about where that comes from. That was a hypothesis that people threw out there about deforestation, say, 10, 20 years ago. But the models that it was based on was very simple. In fact, one of the models only used two types of plant life when it was running its, you know what I mean? <laughs> Studies since then have given science ample reason to question that hypothesis. And, and you know, climate, you know, I read one scientist say that climate scientists have kind of moved on from that hypothesis, right? right? So the verdict is, at the end of the day, it requires more study, but we are leaning hard towards there is no tipping point that we we are aware of for the Amazon rain. Right. At the very least, claiming that we are at the tipping point is is alarmist and not supported by science. Right. Like, right. I mean, at the very least. And that doesn't mean that it's not necessarily true. That's the thing about science. It's like yeah. we're doing the best we can. But at the same time, you've got to if you're going to believe in science, you got to listen to the scientists, guys. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You got to listen to the scientists. And and this this illustrates this CO2 thing uh, and the 20% of our, uh, our oxygen kind of illustrates this ping pong effect that's kind of the worst part of this to me. Um, and it's happening on all levels. It's happening everywhere in, in, in our social lives, in politics. Economics. Uh, economics. If one side has a narrative they're trying to push and they use a falsely inflated number... Uh, to support their premise, you know, in this case, that these fires are horribly dangerous. And then and then folks, folks go debunk those numbers. All of a sudden, that invalidates the argument for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people off the top go, oh, well, it's not 20%, it's 6%. So you're wrong. Well, in this case, that's incredibly dangerous because right. we can be wrong about the 6% oxygen but we're not even talking about the CO2 release. Right, right. So all of a sudden, you've got a large swath of people who have been turned off of your argument because you've used the wrong numbers. Right, right. Because you've used the wrong argument. Yeah, you've undercut yourself. You've undercut yourself. And it's yeah. happening with Trump. You know, that's it. I feel like it's the same thing that happens with Trump when people uh, go way, way off to the left and call him a Nazi right. and say, you know, ICE is, is running concentration camps. You know, the people... Who, who don't necessarily believe that are going, well, they're not gassing people. Yeah. You know, and I'll yeah. say yet, um, but, <laughs> you know, but still like that allows people, when that overreach when allows you people. Out those crazy positions, it's a lot easier to poke holes in that. So the people poke holes in it and they call it, the, the and they call it done, a day and they never deal with the ugly truth that was at the middle of that. Exactly. You know that was I mean? at the core of it. And, and I think we are doing this on all levels at all times. And it's incredibly dangerous and yeah. it's dangerous here. Yeah. Well, no. And I think I think there's other ways that we're doing it here. I want to talk for a second about the whole 75,000 fires slash 80 percent increase over last year number um, that basically virtually all the reporting, all the memes are, are based off this number. And I want to be I want to be very clear that the Brazilian Space Agency, which is INPE, uh, is what they go by. Uh, we'll call them MP or I will for the rest of the show. Um uh, they put out that number, and NASA has since said that they are in agreement uh, with MP that that is where it's at, right? right? 75,000, 80% increase. But I want to talk about for just a moment how NASA and how MP are getting those numbers. MP uses something called the deter system. And what that is is it's, it's satellites that you know scan from space, and they look down, and they through thermal imaging, they're able to identify down to, I think, a meter, um, that there is a fire present and then they put a blip like, you know, on the image 
using an algorithm. It gets, you know, really complicated at that point for me anyway. Um, and, and, and that's what they do, but then they count the blips and they count the blips. Yeah. But the problem is, is that those satellites, if there is sufficient cloud cover, or if you have fires that are like, say under the jungle canopy and stuff that messes with the satellites. Now, NASA's is a little bit more accurate because NASA uses a double system, right? They use something called the MODIS satellite and the Viper satellite. The Viper is infrared, which cuts down on some of the cloud blockage and so right. on and so forth. Some of the canopy but, blockage. But the way it works is the satellite takes a picture, goes around, comes around, takes another picture, and they look for changes. That's kind of how it works. And the deter system down in Brazil, it it says, if you go and look at like the relevant websites, the deter system is mainly used for like risk assessment, right? It's it's the idea of it is to alert the fire authorities on the ground that there is a fire going on. You need to send firemen out to stop it, right? So not necessary, not necessarily for cataloging amounts of damage, right? And with the case of the deter system in particular, the creators of the deter system said that they weren't worried about whether or not the system double counts fires. Because that's not their objective. Their objective is to ping that fire as right. many times until it's out. Right. Yeah. So, we're going to float around again. We're going to look at it. Up. Oh, still there. Go. Go. Attention. Attention. Right. And 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 to me, that speaks to the whole idea of counting the number of fires mm-hmm. is a little bit ludicrous anyway. Um, even if you discount the the methodological errors that that might or might not be present. Like the number of fires don't matter. The intensity of the fires matters. How big they are matters. Well, quick, quick caveat: NASA and MP. Uh, no, I'm sorry. NASA. NASA is saying that the intensity of the fires is up. Okay. That that's that's another statistic that NASA released actually last night while I was still well, throwing the show together. Those are those are the things we should be talking about, though. Uh-huh. To me, um, the the damage, the damage in square feet, and and what I see thrown around more often is is the number of fires, right? And the reason is because that fits the narrative, and it's yeah. easy to it's easy to sell the story uh, when you can say eighty percent increase in the number of fires. But yeah. as we'll move on to find out, yeah, we'll see. I think what's what's important now, and, and just last caveat to the satellite system. So what they do at the end of the day is at the end of the year because they scan every year. Um, and at the end of the year, they have land satellite, you know, land, uh, what do they call it? Land imaging satellites go through and survey the entire rainforest, the Amazon mm-hmm. rainforest. And they then compare the changes over last year. And that helps them more accurately count how many fires there were, how much devastation happened. Right. So and that's, we have, that's when the truth comes out is, is at the end yeah, of the fire season. And, and you can see how far, uh, you know, off or on deter was, how close it was and, and so on and so forth. And so we have accurate numbers for 2018, but 2019, like it's still happening. Scientists are still looking at it. Now they say that there's this 80% jump in 2018, but I want you to bear in mind that last year, 2018 was pretty close to the 30 year low for Amazon deforestation. Um, While this year is potentially on track to be the highest year for fire since 2010, it's actually also fairly comparable to 2016. There's not right. a lot of difference between where we're at now and 2016. And God, if you jump back to 95. Yeah, dude, for perspective, like if if we're talking about 95 to 2005, we're talking about the Amazon losing something like 10,000 square kilometers a day, right? Uh, now, or I'm sorry, a year, sorry. Uh, now, the last 15 years, we're talking about 2,000 
Like that that's the range where we're at. So I mean it's it's changed greatly. Up until the mid part of this week, when NASA did their first sweep over with the Modus and Viper satellites, the, the the Amazon basin as a whole was actually under the average for the last 15 years for fires in the area. Right. So again, we have seen an increase in fires. If NASA and MP are reporting that there's an 80% increase, then I believe that there indeed has to have been some sort of increase. If they're saying that the fires are are more uh well, and we uh, expected an increase radiant, because, yeah. because Bolsonaro's policies were to loosen restrictions and and increase cattle farming which requires uh, slashing and burning some of these forests to clear the way for cattle grazing. Yes, so, well, so uh, I, I think to to expect a, a decrease in the face of Bolsonaro's rhetoric yeah. is is ludicrous. Like we yeah. we all expected an increase in these fires. Well, which is which is something that I lose sight of when I when I jump down into these numbers is like, yeah, actually, hang on, let me let me pump brakes for a second because. Yeah, the idea is you guys are acting like this was just an unforeseen apocalypse that took place. It's raging for three weeks and nobody knew it was coming. August 10th in Brazil, they had something called Fire Day where a bunch of farmers uh, got together and they wanted to show Bolsonaro that they were like supportive of his policies and stuff. And they started lighting fires. And that movement kind of spread to this other town and it spread to this other town. And that is actually where this increase come from. So it's actually, it's it's not three weeks these fires have been burning uncontrollably. Everything was fairly normal until about a week and a half ago when people started taking advantage of the lax regulations that Bolsonaro told us for the last eight months he was going to be putting into place. So, yeah. I mean... Who didn't see this coming if you were paying attention and, to and the rainforest? And that's not to say that it's it's all fine and dandy. Right. Like right. I'm, you know, that's not to say, oh, let's just ignore it because Bolsonaro said he was going to do it. But it is to say, like, pay attention to the rhetoric and where it's coming from. Pay attention yeah. to the narrative because the people who are telling you this is an unforeseen, unmitigated disaster right. are, are lying. It's yeah. not, it's just not true. Well, there's, there's one last little tidbit that I want to throw out there. On the 24th of August, the New York Times put out a piece. Scientists who are studying the satellite imagery say that the large majority of these fires, let's go with the 75,000. Fuck it, let's go with 100,000. A large majority of these fires are not actually in virgin forest. They're on land that has already been cleared. Right, because so this, you got to understand that's what that's what these cattle farmers do in the Amazon. Right, they they burn parts of the forest. Yeah. So that they'll have grazing grounds next year, and then old ones regrow. Yeah, and then they burn it again. Yeah, they they burn it down to make like grass start to grow renew. I was reading about that last night, but I think that's what that's what people are tripping up. They think that every single fire is right in the heart of the Amazon, and it's absolutely not. So again, Bolsonaro's policies are bullshit. And and in fact, I also you know I read a piece that said that if if Brazil would just work on their already cleared pasture land, like using it more efficiently, they wouldn't have to burn shit. So mm. there is ample room to criticize Bolsonaro. There is sure. ample room to get. But well, guys, well, we are I, I, not raising beef production in the midst of 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 global warming is is ludicrous. Yeah. Beef production is one of the most inefficient uh, creations of protein. That that we have, it's ludicrous. I mean, that's yeah. why it's that's why it's nineteen dollars a pound for for steak. Yeah, because yeah. it's horribly inefficient to produce. So yeah. on its face, we're already talking about some ludicrous stuff. But yeah. well, what's uh, what's interesting actually, you bring up the beef is uh, you know I saw so many people saying uh, you know well obviously it's everybody's fault at home. What you guys need to do is if you would just get on board and start boycotting beef like we've been telling you 
then this wouldn't be an issue. The Amazon rainforest fires wouldn't be an issue. Well, America, and you know, it's people talking to Americans and stuff. America doesn't even register on, on the list of places that buy Brazilian beef. Like right. we have our own, we beef produce supplies. our own beef. So you are more than welcome to, to boycott beef. There are ample reasons to do so. You know, it's, it's and, impact and truthfully, on climate change. I, yeah. I think we should all be cutting our beef intake massively. I, in fact, That's, my family has cut our beef intake by like 80% over the last three months. Um, you know, and I think that's a revolutionary act. I think everyone I think, should do. No, that. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I think demand will fall for beef, and that'll make it cheaper for me. So I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. But long story short, is so you look at what's happening there with the people who want us to boycott beef. They're hijacking these fires, mm. and I and I'm not giving them ill intentions. I'm just saying. Guys, you got to start realizing that no matter how noble your cause is, no matter how noble the things you believe in are, the people who believe the same things as you are every bit as capable of propagandizing and inflating and making things look infinitely worse than they are as those evil bad guys on the other side that you don't like. Right. Even with something as noble as environmentalism, there are people who will, will try to drive home a point and they think that the only way to get across their point is to create something that's flashy and pizzazzy and will wake the masses up and get them, you know, and there's some truth to that. I'm not saying well, there, there is. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's kind of the problem is like, if we would stop falling for clickbait, right. Then they would stop producing clickbait. And that's, that's, I, I see this a lot as as clickbait. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. It's gotta be 20% because 9%, 6%, eh, people yeah. shrug their shoulders, right? right so right. it's it's gotta be that high. So so we need to be we need to be more attentive, man. We need we need to pay attention even when it's not flashy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we I, need to care when it's not a dire situation. We need to care before it gets there. No, and I think I think that's a good point. I think we in general have got to shake off this this like just this gross nihilism that that everybody seems to be buying into man i mean when i see people this this ready this ready to like slit wrists and just give up because you know the, this guy said 20% of of the lungs are going down and stuff when i see people constantly complaining every day on social media and stuff about all these ills that are happening in society and with the economy and everything, you say, well, hey, let's do something about you. Oh, we can't do nothing about it, man. Nothing's ever going to change. Right. And, and all, the, are, all the people in power are just empowerment. We are we are in a deeply nihilistic place right now. It's like it's like it's like we want we want the Nazis to be there so we can fight them. We want the rainforest to burn so we can be proved right. And there's a guy, Jeff Jarvis, uh, wrote a piece back in 2015 that I just randomly ran across on the internet. Uh, and, and he says it succinctly and perfectly. And I love it. He says, uh, dystopianism is the ultimate statement of hubris. I'm smarter than the rest of you, says the profound pessimist. I can see where you're all going wrong. I can see that you can't learn and I'm better than you all. And, and that's what this whole thing smacks of to me. It's like, it's like, we can't wait to be the guy who goes like, See, it's all going to burn. Yeah. It's all it's all going down and there's nothing you can do about it. See, I am powerless because all of you are so stupid. Yeah. You can't even realize that the lungs of the planet are burning yeah. and and no one cares. Like and 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 it's the ultimate self-robbery of of uh, what's, power. Of, of power. Of exactly. Power. Of personal yeah. power. It's the ultimate agency. Yeah, right, yeah. right. You're 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 giving up your agency because truthfully, man, 
we can affect this. Like after digging into the numbers and figuring out where we're at with the Amazon, like we're not dying tomorrow, guys. We're, actually, we're doing great. I mean, <laughs> and compared over the last 30 years, deforestation is way down. Is so what? let's just keep going that same road. You know right, what I mean? Right. I mean, and, and that's not to say shut up about this. No, absolutely because, not. Because you should you should talk about it. We should talk about Bolsonaro is a threat to that in progress. Fact, we yeah. have not heard, I haven't heard, back in, back in the 90s, deforestation, you know, tree hugging hippies, that was like a huge thing. And yeah. there were activists everywhere. And, and since deforestation has dropped, you haven't seen as much talking about it. So, right, right. yeah, we, we might be at risk of, of jumping back up that ramp and yep. we got to pull reins back. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you don't pull too hard. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, no, that's how it works, man. I mean, so we see an uptick and it's time for us to all get together and kind of tap that back down. But at the same time, take that uptick in context. Mm. You can't you can't take it like it's the apocalypse end of the world. And what you certainly can't do is use it to reinforce your your terrible worldview that there's just absolutely nothing that can be done for the world. And st- You know, it, it occurred to me, man, like uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was reading something about Cortez and it said something about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it said something about how old she was. And I think she's 28 or 29. Yeah. And and it made me, like, when it, it hit me, like, how old she was, and she's a little bit younger than me. And I thought about all the people I know, and, and even myself back in my 20s, when I was like, you know, well, it's just the system, man. It's the establishment. There ain't nothing you can do about it. And then it occurred to me that the establishment increasingly now from here on out is going to be comprised of people my age. It's going to be us. And and if I hadn't in my 20s been doing some of the some of the things that I was doing and 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 sat there and had that like nihilistic attitude, then perhaps I would have got my stuff together and I would have ran. Yeah. Perhaps I would be in government now and then they would have to try to buy me off, you know, if, or if even we, influenced the people who did run. Right. If we wouldn't have, we, it's like you're defeating yourself. You're un, you're cutting your knees right out from under yourself. And then of course you get to sit back and say, look, when I don't do anything, nothing happens. Right, you know right, what I mean? right. Yeah. Nihilism is, is, is the easy path No, yeah. and, and doing the hard work is, is hard work. Absolutely, man. So uh, speaking of hard work, uh, you know, I put a lot of hard work into wrangling up stories this week. And uh, yeah, like we said, I think we, we've got time for one more. So you want to dive into this? <laughs> let's dive into uh, this. Let's one. see. What completely unrelated story do we have that we can hard transition into? Let's uh, talk about the video game industry. Yes. So Luke. they're trying to get out ahead of legislation that is aimed at regulating the highly lucrative sale of loot boxes in video games. And yep. for those of you listeners who are not video gamers out there, Loot boxes are a digital box uh, that you get as a reward either from playing a video game or by buying in-game currency with real money. Um, and you you open the box and you get an item in the game. Sometimes that's a weapon to use. Sometimes it's a costume. Uh, sometimes it's a, a spray that you can put on walls. Yeah. Um, you know, just various things. Uh, and the idea is that, uh, you, there, there are high value drops and there are low value drops. You get right. the loot box. It's like a slot machine. It's like, it's an old mystery box. Right. I got it. You know, and nine times out of 10, you don't get the one you want. Right. Um, essentially I consider it gambling. Right. 
Well, at a recent FTC public workshop aimed at studying the consumer impacts of loot boxes, the Entertainment Software Association announced that the big three console makers, which is Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft, will require publishers to disclose the drop rate of all items available in loot boxes. So this comes after Republican Senator Josh Hawley introduced legislation that also had the support of Chuck Schumer. So, I mean, it was it was bipartisan that would ban the practice of selling loot boxes outright. Um, There are various countries across the globe that have taken steps to either ban or regulate the practice with opponents comparing buying loot boxes, just as you did, to gambling and saying that children are being targeted. And and there's there's no argue. You cannot argue with that to me. Uh, It's ludicrous to ban them outright. Like if, if an adult can go play a slot machine. Like, we can't ban loot boxes in video games. Right. Adults are fully capable of making choices. But uh, I feel with this the same way as I do about those little toys in in the wrapper that you can't see through. And mm-hmm. your kid begs you for these things. And nine times out of ten, they get the crappy one. And they never play with it. They spend eight bucks on the thing. And they're hoping for the one good toy. And, of course, that one good toy only appears 2% of the time. If at it's, all. <laughs> if at all. Exactly. And And... Kids, they they don't know the value of a dollar, so they don't understand that all these other times they're not getting the drops in their loot box or they're not getting the character they want in this little bag. Uh, they're, they're wasting money. They don't understand that. They also don't understand what what the reward is, and the reward is that dopamine hit when you finally get what you want, right? Yeah. Like Kids are, are not cognizant enough to make decisions with that in mind. Like that's largely why. Which is why, which is why luckily they don't make most of the financial decisions in this country. Precisely. So like, so see, I, I hear them saying that this stuff is targeting kids, but for me personally, it's like, okay, well then that's, that's a perfect moment for me as the parent to step in and teach my kids something about the world, right. about and that's, the way things work. And, and that's what I do. You know, yeah. I don't let my kid buy those, those toys and I'm like, no, it's, and I tell them why it's stupid Yeah, and they yeah. get upset at me. No, and I, I do the same thing. It's just, what I'm worried about is like, there, there is this belief though, is that like, you know, we have to legislate it to protect the kids and this to me, this is this is one of the foundations of where I say it's time for individual responsibility. Because I think back to when I was a kid, and I would get you know a, a dollar or something to go play you know in the arcade, right? And I go to the arcade, and some of the games were quarter eaters; they were yeah. ripoffs. Yeah. And I learned very quickly that you know even though they would do these things and have these flashing lights that would make me excited when I you know hit the buttons or whatever. That those weren't the games to play. They were just there to eat my money. So for a quick second, like, are you saying you don't support any loot box legislation, period? I don't want to get into the war. I do not want to pay with with our taxes, my money. I do not want to pay for the guy who's going to go around and check loot box drop rates. <laughs> I do not want to pay for the the, the Bureau of Loot Boxes. Well, let me I don't want to pay this. for that. Do you, do you support keeping casinos 18 and up or 21 and up? Uh. I, that's, like, should we allow kids in casinos and go, well, it's up to the parents to keep kids out of casinos? Like, uh, I, I don't think it matters whether or not casinos are 18 and up or 21 and up. I mean, if you know a kid that's got Jack, that's got like two grand that he wants to go to the casino and spend, then maybe that's a problem. And we should put in a law that says that. they. But I think the reason they can't be there is because of the drinking and the sometimes crime that happens at casinos and stuff, which casinos have largely cut down on. But, you know, for instance, Atlantic City a few years back, there's this stigma 
stigma around casinos that okay. there's crime that yeah, follows the, with the sin. You don't think it has to do But as far as like the like actual gambling, gambling like, I'm not worried about like seven year olds, you know, en masse stealing thousands of dollars from their parents and gambling it away. <laughs> gambling you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The casino. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we we got to do something, man, because parents for for worse, obviously, they they're not they're not in there playing these games with their kids. You know, the kids come in, they ask for the credit card and they go, I want to spend $15 on Fortnite because I want this costume. Right. And their mom goes, okay. And they spend the $15 and they don't get the costume they want. They don't go to their mom and say, mom, I didn't get the costume I want. So there's not like a conversation happening there. There's no, there's no learning. The parents are completely but, disconnected from but it. But that's their business. It's I mean, not I, my job to make them better parents. I feel like it's the government's job to protect people it's, from, from, from dis dishonest practices and okay. it, and it so, gets even more dishonest so i mean no it absolutely does and actually testimony at the ftc workshop shed light on a number of troubling areas surrounding loot boxes including uh its link to reinforcing problem gambling and the practice by unnamed publishers so there was testimony but they did not name any of the publishers of paying popular streamers to open loot boxes that dropped rare items more often on stream. And that, to me, that's that's fraudulent. And, and maybe we already have fraud laws to protect against Real it. quick, let's make sure we're clear about what that means. So there's, you know, you have streams on YouTube or you have streams on Twitch primarily where you have gamers sitting there playing and there will be people who just sit there and like they open loot boxes. Yeah, they'll well, do a big hundred loot box reveal. Right. And the and you know, kids eat that up. They love watching that stuff. They love seeing the cool weapon get, you know, yep. come out of the loot box. Well, it turns out that some of the publishers are actually giving these streamers loot boxes that drop at higher rates right. with the rare items. So they're doing a hundred loot box reveal and they get twenty of the top tier items. Mm -hmm. And the millions of kids that are watching these reveals feel like they're gonna get they have a chance to get that same drop rate, and they don't. Right, they're getting the two percent drop rate. You know, right. To me, it's it's dishonest. It's fraudulent. Um, it mm -hmm. is it's the worst parts of capitalism, man. It is false advertisement. Mm -hmm. Um, it it should be against the law if it's if it doesn't already fall under fraud laws. It should be against the law. And the first step in 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 regulating this is to require. These these game companies to at least publish drop rates and say, look, this item drops at a two percent rate. If you're buying for five bucks, if you get a loot box, you know you got a two percent chance, buddy, of getting this drop. And then that at least gives us something to hold them accountable in the future if they are manipulating drop rates. For example, I don't, I don't mind asking them to disclose, and I'm actually I'm I'm very excited that the industry is asking the publishers to disclose. But I don't know about asking the government to disclose or the government ask, you know, making them disclose, because once the government makes them disclose, the government then has to go back and verify that those are the correct numbers and that they're dropping at the right rate. And we start getting into things that I don't think we need to get into. You you say that, you know, this is dishonest and all that good stuff. To me, the answer is, you know, transparency is getting the word out is people saying, you know, if there's a government ad campaign like there is for Feed the Pig, you know, saying, yeah. hey, loot boxes are are like this and you're getting ripped off and all that good stuff. That's great. But but going any farther than that, see, I, I, I think don't there's, I it's think getting there's into personal ground. choice. I, I don't necessarily think that that if we if we say publishers must disclose 
uh, you know, drop rates in, in any sort of random blah, blah, blah. I don't think that necessarily means we have to set up an agency that that tests the drop rates. I think people can do that. I think YouTubers will go, oh, here, let me open 100 drops. And oh, this drop rate was actually at 1%. You know, like, I, yeah. I feel like it just establishes some boundaries that can then be tested in court cases if we have bad actors. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to that go... That you can retroactively test... Right, yeah, after after the fact. Like, yeah, you've disclosed now we forced them to disclose the rates. But are you gonna if be, they go against those rates, now we have a clear cut fraud case. But with that loose of a system, are you gonna be okay if if the publishers find a way to get around it? What do you mean? I mean I'd well, have to let, let well, no, I mean I think that's very clear. Let's say that you want to retroactively then go back and make sure that they were dropping at the prescribed. They're just rate, gonna right? change it, right? They're, they're they're gonna find some way to get around it. Are you then going to ask for more legislation? That's more regulation. That's right. that's what I'm saying. There is a precedent here. We're acting like this is something that we've never come across before. But carny games. I mean, think about it. We know that you know there's carny games and there's various municipalities that have laws against rigged games. Yeah, and that's fine. But what and I'm going back to is of carnival games that are still rigged. Let's take it. Yeah, there's plenty of carnival games that are still rigged. But let's let's take all that regulation out for a minute and, and at least you know I don't know about you, but for myself. Carnival Games is one of the first places where I learned about such a thing happening, mm. where I learned that the guy who's telling me that I can win that bear if I just get, you know, and my grandpa would look at me and he'd be like, look, man, that ring isn't anywhere near big enough to go over that bottle now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You don't so, have near enough BBs to punch out the star, like so I promise you. I really do think, like, we have this knee-jerk reaction to say, oh, this is this new terrible thing that they're doing. It is, and we should cry. We should yell about it. We should, you know, get the word out about it. I have never... You know, uh, Overwatch, I enjoy the game Overwatch, and, and it gave, you know, loot boxes and stuff. I've never paid for a loot box. Yeah, I will never let my kids pay for a loot box. You know what I mean? But, like, I, I think that's where it stops. If there are people out there that want to do that, then you, you do it, man. Well, I mean, I that's your like, life. I feel like, and, and Carnival Games is kind of the perfect example, because I feel like these publishers hide behind, you know, the fun of, of opening a loot box. Oh, it's great fun. It's fun mm -hmm. for everyone. Everyone likes it. And, you know, everyone likes carnival games, too. Even if yeah. you're getting ripped off, spending your $5 yeah. for a game that you're not going to win. Right. But this seems more insidious to me because because you're you're taking advantage of a of a chemical reaction in in a child's brain, right? The dopamine reaction. You all, are, those, all those colors and lights and balloons at the carnival aren't? <laughs> <laughs> and cotton candy and stuff. Touche. I mean, yes, I guess so. Um, yeah. I guess they are. But at least at a carnival game, like you're involved, you're interacting. This is just a click, man. Oh, I know. It's a click. It's like it's not fun I for to them. I totally agree that it's 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 a gross, scummy, abhorrent practice. I mean, <laughs> it is. It's it's gross, especially you know when I found out about the streamers. Like it, it pisses me off. It does. That's fraudulent. But not, like we can't let but, that stand. But man. not every That's false advertisement. It's it's. But so what? I mean, not every single one of those situations requires a government response. So what? So what? So you? They should be able to defraud people. Can I go tell someone I'm gonna uh, sell them twelve oranges in a box and there's eleven? Like no. Well, what? I mean, it's, it's okay. So. <laughs> If the guy sells you, you know, tells you there's 12 and there's 11 and you go and you sue him and all that good stuff. More importantly, though, you're not going to buy oranges from that guy anymore. Well, that's he true. He defrauded you. But these kids, you're going to the tell other people. Like, and the story kids, gets man. out. The no, kids, it's not kids because the kids do don't that, control dude. the money. 
They, they well, it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> the, well, but that's that's a whole other issue, man. And you can't fix that through legislation. Mm. You you can you can in run around it. Yeah, the whole deal about it. No, but see, we shouldn't even be bothering with in running. It's none of our business, is what I'm saying. For me personally, and this is one of those areas <laughs> where you and me disagree. But I would like to highlight what's going on in China just real quick. Because China is, you know, one of the places that have been, you know, grappling with this. Yeah. Well, China passed a 2017 law that banned the direct sale of loot boxes by the game companies. But publishers were able to get around it by gifting boxes with the purchase of in-game currency. <laughs> so they didn't sell you the box, but they said, if you buy, you know, this many coins, we're going to give you a box, right? So now China is crafting legislation aimed at limiting the number of loot boxes a person can acquire in a day. And, and that's And ludicrous. they'll find You're a way right. around and it, and then they'll have to craft another piece of legislation. I agree. And that's, so on and so forth. That's that's absolutely ludicrous. But that's that's a far cry from saying publishers disclose your drop rates. I don't I, as long as it's Sony and all them that are forcing that, I say good for Sony, good for Nintendo, good for Xbox. If another console maker comes out and doesn't require people to disclose their their drop rates like you know what is it stadia from google yeah if they don't require that the the publishers disclose their drop rates i should hope everybody would not mess with stadia at all yeah you know what i mean which i don't know what stadia is going to do i'm just throwing that out there i mean i tend it, it, ideally i tend to agree with you uh -huh. um I, I mean i do if um, not here where you know what i'm saying <laughs> like to me if not here where else would we ever you know what i mean it, at some point dude you got to say Look, man, live Hand your life. agency back to it's, it's, back to people. Yeah, and I would I would agree if we're talking about adults, but we're talking about we're talking about kids. Man. I take issue with that. We're not we're not talking about kids. They don't have the wallet. The parent gives them mm. the money. That's true. It's we're talking about a, a something that is sacred to the home and something that I don't think the government should be involved in mm. at all. You're trying, in a sense, and I'm not saying you know when I say this, when I say you're trying, it's I'm not accusing you of anything, but. You're, you're trying to come in between and say, I know what is the best for your kids. So I'm going to fix this because you're incapable of fixing it and, because but, the deck stacked against you. But I mean, the deck wasn't then, stacked then against my grandpa. Let, why don't we let games. kids smoke cigarettes? Why don't we let kids drive? Why don't we let kids do all the things? Why don't we let them drink alcohol? You know, shouldn't the parents, why, why do we know better? Well, no, that's a little bit different. That's society collectively that, deciding that 10 year olds shouldn't be behind the wheels of cars. Well, in, in most states, you can legally let your kids drink in your home, actually. So <laughs> well, they, you there know, you go. There's a loophole. They yeah. can't buy alcohol, but they can absolutely drink in the home. And yeah, at church, you got kids drinking their little Jesus wines juice. and stuff yeah, you know yeah. so uh maybe maybe you're right maybe it's uh maybe it's overblown i, maybe. I wouldn't be mad at i wouldn't be mad at, at regulating you know drop rates but like you said maybe yeah. it's a slippery slope and next year it doesn't stop and they go oh now you gotta do this and now you're bad now you can only buy three loot boxes a day <laughs> you, you know me in the interest of compromise if if the government came out and they said we are going to require video game publishers to disclose drop rates and and like you said they weren't going to enforce it, but it was on the books. We have to do books. that at casinos. It was on the books so that you could retroactively go and see if that's how you know how it worked out and everything. I would be willing to support that. I would be willing to get on board with that. I will fight tooth and nail for anything past that. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's well, as far as I'm willing. I, I to got to go. point out, uh, slot machines. Yeah. Have to have to give up the odds. And they give it to uh, any uh, electronic gaming. The bureau machine. weights and measurements actually uh, go through and verify the odds on the absolutely slot scratch off tickets. Yep. Got to have the odds. They got to update the odds as tickets are sold, in fact. Yep. So it's not yep. like this is 
totally outside the realm of normality. Like right. this is something we already do across gambling games. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of looking at loot boxes the same way we look at gambling. And I, I, which actually, I don't think there's much of a line. And I think I think we we serve ourselves far more. And I actually, to me, it's comparable to the the guns episode. By continuing to work on people who have problem gambling habits and helping them and getting them resources to help them break the cycle of their gambling, I'm actually more worried. You you were worried about the kids. I'm more worried about the the 37 year old you know weeb head who's sitting there just just shelling out Blowing all his, his money on, on Fortnite for, skins for, for like, diva skins and stuff. You know what I mean? Does like, that happen it, though? Is it? I mean, I I don't. Like I said, I'm not I'm not willing to legislatively like go, you know, too far down the road to help him out, but at the same time, I would like to see him get some help with his gambling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yes, no, I think it most certainly happens and I think especially if we're talking about like China and South Korea and stuff, mm-hmm. those places have huge problems with that, which is probably why China is so gung-ho about legislation with loot boxes, you know? Right. I'm sure you, the first of the big free to play mobile games uh, erupted in China like in 2006. Oh, yeah. I read There's that no when question. I was looking China this up. China and Korea yeah. are, are absolutely awash in in gaming culture. Like it's it's huge. It's yeah, huge. yeah. So you know, I, like I said, man, I want those people to get help, and to an extent, I will I will try to help shelter them from predatory people. But I can see only the billboards so now. Kids, are you addicted to Fortnite loot boxes? <laughs> Call one eight eight eight. Quit Fortnite now, mom. Can I use your cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, like, and, 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 you know, and just talking about loot boxes for a minute, like we're to put this in perspective, if you don't know again, what these loot boxes are, we're not talking about the, the GI Joe. We're talking about the jacket that goes on the yeah. GI Joe. So, I mean, like for me, that's why it was real easy. Like with my daughter, when she was like, oh, you know, I, I'm really trying to get that diva skin. And I was like, well, keep trying. Cause you ain't getting nothing from <laughs> like, over here. Nah. Like, best of luck. You know, And I don't, you know, I don't, I, I'm one of those parents that doesn't affect my household. Cause I don't allow it. You know, yeah, like you said, yeah. I control the purse strings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't let them spend their allowance on, on gambling stuff. Like right. I don't let them buy the little toys with their, like they get mad at me, but yeah. I won't do do it, you know, because yeah. I because I want to protect them uh, from the dangers of gambling addiction, which are very real. Yeah, it's the the abuse of the dopamine pathway. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> not everyone is 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 smart enough, or educated enough, or capable enough to protect their kids from that. And maybe we just say, "Well, to hell with those kids." <laughs> well, and I, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's. Uh, I mean, I to me, we got to draw a line somewhere. So. Woof. <laughs> um, so, you know, we got a little pushback on last week's fact-checking segment. Apparently, not everybody appreciates our alternative approach. I thought it was fine. I, I had a blast. I Yeah, I mean, I thought, uh, you know, it really upheld the, uh, or actually set a new bar for the rigorous standard that we want to have on this show, you know, right. going forward. This is the way that we want to but do things. So we do always say that we'll listen to criticism. We do. We do listen to criticism. So we're going to change it up a little bit, uh, but still keep that, you know, our blend in there. And hopefully, uh, you know, the fact that Beanzo remains on strike uh, won't be too big a detriment to you all. And you'll still appreciate us. So without further ado, here is the new and improved Sense and Theory fact-checking segment. Oh man, God, it is nice not having Beanzo around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. I am really enjoying that. Yep. 
Are you uh oh you playing that you playing that chess game? I am. That's cool. Playing someone in Bangladesh right now. <coughs> oh man. God, I've been a little sick this week. I am winning. Are you? Yep. Hell yeah. Did you get that uh did you get that AC put in this week? Yeah, 19 seer, man. Really Ooh. efficient. I'm oh. doing my part. Oh, that is nice. 19 seer. Yep. Oh man. Oh, that's a checkmate. Oh, get him. See, that's what I mean. That is the kind of quality fact-checking that Beanzo was never going to bring to this program. Thorough, precise. That's right. On that's point. right. That's what our listeners want. That's what our listeners demand, and I'm glad that we're finally giving it to them. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think we also, we, we got to talk about this, man. Um, right now, we don't own our master's. We, we need to we, go back why, and we don't own our masters. No, we need to re-record the entire catalog. We recorded it. Re-record the catalog. He owns the masters. Yes, we have to go back, start with episode one, re-record Every them all episode? in our own studio, and, and we'll work our way through to what, what are we, episode 68 now? Oh my yes, God, absolutely. we have to re-record have 68 to, episodes? We have to re-record. We don't own the masters. Okay, 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 okay. Just promise me that this has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. Well, eh. Hey folks, it's Sense, one-third of the Sense and Theory podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, check us out at senseandtheorypodcast.com, where you'll find links to all our social media. You can reach out to us on Facebook, argue with us on Twitter, or send us an angry email. But just knowing you guys are out there keeps us going. If you really enjoy the show, hit up patreon.com slash senseandtheory and chip in a buck or two for coffee, beer, and the server bill that keeps going up with every subscriber we get. Even if you can't afford to give your monetary support, we'll be here cutting through the bias and extremism to try and find some common ground about things that matter.